Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Today, I welcome best-selling author Sean Rosenstiel to the podcast. Sean's new book, The School of Intentional Living, A Real-World Approach to Living Life on Your Terms, is a really interesting and timely book. Sean shares his entrepreneurial journey openly and honestly and how his initial ventures resulted in bankruptcy. But he then found his true path and ultimately wrote a book to help others. We discussed today why this is such an important topic for founders and business owners and how they can come and should become more intentional with their lives and why this is so important. What I really liked about this episode is Sean not only shares the why and the benefit of living an intentional life, but also demonstrates the how. I think you will really enjoy this episode and get a lot of value from it, no matter where you are in your life's journey. Enjoy. As a reminder, if you listen to this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please recommend to your friends and family. Thank you for listening. And now on to the interview. Hey, good morning, Sean. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me. I know it's it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this for a while. You know, I read your book. Have quite a few questions for you, but before we get into that, and I that is the reason I want to have you on the show was, you know, you had a book that just came out three weeks ago. It's doing very well. So congratulations on that. Thank you. I think this is just a really good topic, not just the book, but kind of your journey while you wrote the book it can be very helpful to not only current entrepreneurs, but people really considering going into or starting their own business. So before we go too far, I teased it enough, you know, why don't you give us just kind of an overview of the book. And then I want to get back into your you know, kind of the backstory of the journey to why you wrote the book. Yeah, thanks. So the book is called The School of Intentional Living. And it's really about breaking free from conventional wisdom and really living life on your terms. You know, I believe that in our final moments, you know, we will wonder whether we passed or failed at this beautiful thing we call life. So I really wrote this book as a guide so that people can, you know, make some good choices and decisions today so that they won't have to wonder about that difficult question later on. Yeah. And it's so good. And I think earlier in life that you figure this out, the better, right? I like to joke, I'm always better late than never. And, you know, I was doing some of the things that you had in your book by happenstance more than, you know, structured or, or intentional as, as the book goes. But I, I do think it's important. I think you got from a timing perspective, I see you writing the book before the pandemic you know, started or we're still in the middle of it, right? right? That the timing couldn't be better for people trying to think about what they want to do next, you know, the new normal and all that good stuff. So I'm just kind of curious before we get into the why you wrote the book, you know, how did, how did that change your, your, (laughs) your approach to this, that it was being released basically after, you know, one of the largest world events in probably history, or at least in recent history, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it didn't really change anything. So I had made a decision. I'd been sitting on this for years. Okay. Not necessarily procrastinating it, but I wasn't sure of the entry point, you know, intentional living is such a broad, big, hairy, scary topic, or it can seem that way. So I wasn't sure how to, you know, through which lens I would want to write about intentional living. So I've been wanting to do it for years. And I had a interesting idea at the end of last year. So in January, when I was you know, setting some goals for the year and whatnot, I made a commitment and I made a decision that, you know, this is the year I'm going to write my book. 
And I started writing it in early February. And of course, then we get get into the pandemic a little bit. I think, you know, headlines started in what, mid-February, late February, early March. Right. But it was a real blessing because at least that's how I look at it, because it kept me busy with something. You know, I had something to focus on versus everything else in the world. And I was hunkered down in quarantine writing anyway. (laughs) Luckily, my day to day, you know, outside of trying to find environments to work from, uh, didn't necessarily change all that much because I was focused on writing. Right. And so I felt like it was actually a blessing of a project to keep my attention during that very uncertain time that we all went through. Yeah. And still, frankly, going through, right. I mean, as we record this, we're in, you know, early August. And so, you know, there doesn't seem to be a, an end in sight. And, you know, one of the things that I want to touch back on when we, we circle back from an entrepreneurial or a founder's standpoint, why, you know, I think this framework applies not only, well, and one of my questions for you, but I'm going to table that, you know, the, the framework as a business owner, as in, you know, a, as in life, right? I think there's a lot of similarities, the way to approach it. And I want to break into maybe how you would differentiate, but I think your backstory and how you got to this point is super interesting. So if you wouldn't mind, take us back in time just a little bit. And cause I think that's, I don't want to put words in your mouth, how you got to the point of writing this book and why you wanted to write this book is, you know, some of the things that you had learned, you know, along the way, the good, the bad, and the ugly, as they say, right? Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. Getting a typical job wasn't necessarily ever an idea that I had in mind or an option for me. I was a horrible employee. I think I got fired from every you know job I worked at in college. And I graduated with a degree in entrepreneurship, started my first business, and a few years later went bankrupt. And at the time of my bankruptcy, it was just about one month before my wedding. It was a very interesting time. I was in my late 20s. And I feel like you do as far as like, I'm a late bloomer, like I'm a slow learner. You know, I felt back then like, my gosh, you know, why did it take me this long, you know, to, to realize some of the mistakes I had made along the way. But what was interesting about that bankruptcy is, you know, I, I finally for once took a step back and pause and kind of reflected back on all the choices I had made leading up to that pivotal event. And I feel like right now in the pandemic, you know, this event is doing that for a lot of us. It's helping us reset our priorities it's helping us, you know, refocus our attention in certain areas that may have been neglected for a while. So I feel like this is one of those external events that, you know, is doing this for people. And I think people are recognizing what's really important right now because life is a little bit on pause for a lot of us. Right. So back then that happened. And I do look at that as a major blessing. It helped me realize that financial bankruptcy was the least of my concerns. I was physically, emotionally, and, and spiritually bankrupt as well as, as you know, from reading the introduction of the book. I also had the necessity, you know, I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to be married to the woman of my dreams in 30 days. She's talking about someday starting a family. Like how in the world am I going to take responsibility for her and our future children when I can't even take responsibility for my own life? Right. So it was a real wake up call. And it was then where I started to get into personal development. And it was then that I started to read, you know, books about business and entrepreneurship, you know, all the greats out there. And I really started to apply some of those lessons. I mean, what was interesting is I I wasn't a very good student. I was a C average student at best. I took that C average identity and made very C average decisions in the real world in my twenties, trying to build my company. 
And what was neat was I recognized the fact that, wow, everything I'm learning, I can actually apply in my own life now. It's relevant now and I can get real results. Whereas back in school, learning, I turned me off because I'm like, how does this, where is this applicable? Right. You know, I'm not going to become a mathematician or a scientist. I don't know why I'm doing this. So I kind of went through the motions and I was also going through the motions in every other area of my life in my 20s. I had this singular focus to you know, be a millionaire by the time I was 25. That was my goal. I didn't meet that goal. So I, you know, pushed the ball out a bit till I was 30 and made some incredibly negligent decisions to try to accelerate that wealth and it backfired. So before, let me, I want to stop you there just because one of my, my favorite quotes or actually it really jumped out at me and I'm paraphrasing as I was scrambling through my notes to find it. But I think it was your dad that said, only you are responsible for you. And, I, and I'm paraphrasing, but that just is so true, right? In just different parts of our life, we come to realize that we are responsible for ourselves. And I think that kind of set the tone for the book for me after after reading it. It was just a one little line. And I don't know if you meant it well, to be super intentional. but Yeah, it was a turning point, Brett. So my folks had loaned me some money after school. And when I was filing bankruptcy, the attorneys, of course, asked, what kind of debt do you have? Let's disclose all your debt. And right before I finalized, they said, is there anything else I need to know? And I said, well, I do owe my parents a little bit of money, but I'd like to not include that here. And he didn't convince me, but he recommended that I put everything in there. So I said, yes. And then literally I'm sitting in my car and I recognize the fact that, oh my gosh, my poor mother is going to receive a letter, an official letter from the government saying her son had discharged the debt that he owes to her and to my dad. And well, they, you know, mom and dad deserve a phone call. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I've been very fortunate. They've been incredible, very supportive, just unconditional loving parents. And I called them and they took the news as well as they could. There was a long silence. I, you know, translated that as shock and disappointment. And my dad, I'll never forget. You know, my dad said, Sean, no one is responsible for you, but you. That was the quote. And then my mom chimed in with her loving tone, you know, and she said, you know, find a quiet place and figure things out for yourself. They had told me that, Brett, hundreds of times. <laughs> you know, right. you saw some things that I got into. I mean, we all got into, you know, trouble growing up, but I, I shared some of those stories in the introduction. And they had said those words, those lines to me over and over and over again growing up. But I think I was in a place in a place pausing just long enough to be ready for that, to be ready for that guidance. And it really hit home. And that was a big turning point. So I got to learning, I got to reading, I couldn't afford to go to online uh, seminars, webinars, you know, events, I couldn't afford courses, I, I just, I took to reading, I went to the library, checked out a bunch of books, read them like crazy, applied the information. And after a while, so, so my wife and I were very fortunate then we built a few other companies, some of which were acquired, which we were very blessed with. And people started to notice some of the transformations that I was going through. So friends and family initially, and then I even had some clients like, Hey, you're, you're helping us over here with our business. Can you also help me on, on the personal side of things? So I started getting into that. And I, it was recommended a lot that I, I would write a book. You know, why don't you write a book? This is such a neat approach to, to living and to being more intentional. And, you know, at first it was like, oh, yeah, that would be neat someday. You know, what a neat idea. I've always admired authors for their ability to like organize and clarify their thoughts. 
put those ideas into the written word, expose themselves to public criticism. I mean, I've always admired their courage. Right. So I had this idea that one day I'd like to write a book, but it wasn't up until late last year when I, when I recognized, holy cow, you know, as much as I didn't like school, as much as I don't like looking back at that time, because I felt like I was going through the motions and just kind of drifting and wasting my time, school did actually teach me quite a few lessons that if I could apply those lessons in the real world, man, I could really take off in my business, in my marriage, with my children, with my friends, family, you know, with my relationships, with my hobbies, interests. And so as you know, you know, I really took some of the key lessons that I learned and extracted out of my years in school, because I think that's so relatable and applied them in the book. And ultimately that became the framework or the approach, you know, that that book teaches you about, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what I really appreciate about the book too is, and we were talking a little bit off air, that you've got the framework there and you've got the theory, but you also, you talk, you have a plan, right? This is how you do it. It's not one of those books where you're reading like, oh, this is great, but I have no idea what to do. You actually spend a lot of time helping people how to organize and think about how to how to push it forward. And I guess one of my questions going back a little bit. So you were going to, you had success with your wife, with the business, you were definitely more intentional and thinking about and learning, right? And my take was it was more entrepreneurs and business. But one of the things that I found later is, you know, it's easy when you're in corporate America to separate, you know, work from personal, right? You go to do your job, you come home and separate. But what I found with entrepreneurship is it's a blended life, right? There is no, there's different tasks and activities, but it's much more kind of who you are in and out. And one of the things that I've kind of realized through this pandemic is I think a lot of people are now realizing that, hey, corporate America is who I am. Is this really what I want, right? I'm Mm -hmm. now able to work from home, and balance my life much better than going into the office. So uh, I guess it was a two little context to get to my two part question. One is, when did you start to apply the personal development into your overall approach, which you, you outline in the book? And two, what is your thoughts about that with, you know, where we are today with people in the working world that I think they're finally realizing, hey, I don't have to separate these two. And it's going to be a a journey, right, of of how to figure it out. But I'd love to get your perspective on that. Yeah, so I started, let's see, my wife and I are celebrating our 10-year anniversary in September. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I began to put some of the beginning stages of this framework together roughly a decade ago. Okay. And And it has been evolving, you know, for years and years. And it's neat because I think it's perfect. And then I'll, you know, work with an individual or work with like a corporate team or a group. And I'll realize, oh my gosh, there's some, there's some holes in my framework. I need to fill those in and I'll get great feedback. So it's as perfect as it's going to get now in the book. And I haven't really changed all that much of it in probably two and a half years. So I felt pretty confident that it was ready to be put into a book format. But yeah, I've been working it and I still work it today. I mean, you know, just coming in here, you know, I'm, I'm leaving and three kids, six and under, and you know, everybody, dad, you have to leave. I mean, I, I still struggle. So I'm still working that through. And then I'm still trying to, you know, work on my own mindset. Like I'll get in the car and now I'm off and I go 10 minutes to, you know, my brother-in-law's house so I can get some quiet when I work. And in the car, I'm feeling guilty, right? Because I'm leaving my kids. And is this the right time for me to be putting in long hours when they're young? 
based on this pandemic and the fact that many of us are quarantined, should I be investing more time with these kids now? Um, you know, so I still struggle with that, you know, so I have to remind myself, no nope, decisions made, that guilt isn't going to help me just move forward, focus on what's next. That guilt is immobilizing me and disempowering me. And I've made the decision. And if I want to make a different one tomorrow, so be it. But today the decision was made, <laughs> you know, yeah. so I'm still struggling with balancing out all of that stuff. And I think you're, you're onto something. I mean, corporate America is going to be forever changed. I think there's going to be a reset. After this pandemic, there's going to be a new normal. And I think it's going to be a wake-up call for a lot of people and a lot of businesses that recognize the fact that, hey, you know, we can still be productive and effective when our workforce isn't here 40 hours a week. So yeah. I don't know how, I, I'm not going to sit here and predict how that's all going to shake out. But certainly I think there's a lot of corporate America people who are getting a taste now of entrepreneurship and what that daily schedule and what those demands in the environment, what those distractions might look like. It's not easy. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. And yeah, if we could predict the future, <laughs> we'd yeah. be sitting here on this podcast, but <laughs> no, and I agree. I think one of the, the other things that kind of struck me and I promise we'll get into kind of the framework of your book is, you know, the different mindset when you're single versus when you're married and then when you have a family, right? How that, I don't know if the, the dynamic definitely changes, but being intentional, should be consistent. I found I was not right now. I can't go back and revisionist history and change it. And like I said, I, you know, better late than never figuring out the balance between the family and personal and career and all that good stuff. But if you're, you know, your advice maybe to, you know, uh, the, the single, right. That's going through this change right now. I've got time in the pandemic. What do I want to do with my future? You know, kind of fast forwarding through, you know, married and family, do you approach that differently or how do, what's, what's your viewpoint of that? You know, I think we're, we're all made so differently, right? So what's going to work for me may right. not work for you or may not work for the single, the 28 year old. What I've found really intrinsically motivates me is responsibility for others and in service for others. So That's I've nice. always said like, my gosh, if my wife didn't, have, you know, give me that gift of confidence in me back then that, that I never had. If I stayed single, I probably wouldn't be around. And so I felt like that taking responsibility for someone else helped me. Like I would have okay. never been able to figure this out on my own, I don't think. So for the single person, you know, Victor Frankl, right? Man, man search for meaning, you know, three oh, yeah. ways to find deep meaning in your life and purpose. And he talks about work, love and suffering. I think, you know, if I was single, if for whatever reason, you know, I think I would find a lot of meaning through work. I think that would give me a lot of purpose. I think work is very important. Entrepreneurship is very important. So I just think that it's on each of us to identify and define what it is that makes us tick, what it is that, you know, helps us get out of bed in the morning. And, and what I've found, at least in my own experiences, we want to read a framework or we want to watch a TED talk or we want, you know, we want some quick solution, fast food, right? We just want it. Like, well, let me just listen to this and I'll figure out what this is. But you really have to run the miles, don't you? Yeah. Like you really have to find your own path and base it on your own experience. Your purpose is different than mine. You know, you're, the reason you find meaning in your work, we could do the same exact work. I could run a similar podcast, but we maybe find meaning in different ways. Sure. So I really do think that's unique to each of us as individuals, individuals. And I feel like that's one of our jobs, right? Is to figure out what that is. 
And unfortunately, you know, time can be our greatest teacher. So these things take time. There aren't shortcuts for these things. I think it's usually a journey. And I think you have to be intentional about that journey and you have to pay attention to all the milestones, the small wins, and then some of the setbacks along the way to really identify what that looks like. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And like in the younger me, if we would have had this book or this conversation, it probably, you know, if the learning curve for me would have been much shorter, <laughs> right? Knowing if I was going to be intentional about it, but Maybe. Like I, said, I think some people are super insightful early in their life and others come later, but, but I think even um, having a plan and a structure to it is going to be of a big benefit, no matter where you are in your journey, just to, which I think is a perfect segue into, you know, with the, the entrepreneurship and founders and, you know, the conventional wisdom, Hey, I'm starting a business. I need to work hundred hours a week to get this thing going, you know, sacrifice everything else to get this business up and running. I'll worry about my family or relationships later. And I think that's a mistake, right? I understand you got to put the time in, but if you don't have that balance, you know, you're going to be out of whack. And I would say the chances of success are getting more limited or maybe even the bigger picture is one of the things I've been is, is fall in love with the process, right? If you don't like doing the grind every day, if you didn't like writing the book, if your sole purpose was just to be a published author and get on the circuit, you would have probably been disappointed when you got there because you didn't enjoy the, the journey. So right. maybe that would be a good way to kind of help as you're talking to entrepreneurs now starting their business or in the middle of the business, you know, using this framework to make sure that they have balance in their life as they, they go through this journey. Yeah. And I love before that, I love what you just said, because I think that's so important. I mean, we've all heard the, you know, it's about the journey, not the destination. Yeah. You know, we all know that, but you know, I can struggle with that too. At times I'm a process guy. I love journey. I love process. I love the learning along the way. And what I always try to remind myself is it's not, it's not about what I get or what I do or the outcome necessarily. It's more about who I become along the way. So I usually look for like, who am I becoming based on the actions I'm taking versus like, what's the reward at the end? The reward is important. Don't sure. get me wrong. But if that's all I'm focused on, if all I'm focused on is like, I want the ship book in my hand and that's all I'm going for, maybe the product wouldn't, you know, it'd be subpar at the end. And if you're in business and that's all you're looking to do is get to your first 100K or your first 500, or your first million, you know, well, how good is the product? So I always look at it from the lens of who am I becoming based on this process and does this process empower who I'm becoming or is it limiting in some way or yeah, is it disempowering me? Am I taking shortcuts and not really earning the learning along the way? Right. But yeah, so back to your question, there's a quote in the book by the great Zig Ziglar. And he says that, you know, we should, and I'm paraphrasing now, but he basically says, look, we should go after success stories in every area of our life. There's no sense in having a successful business when our, you know, family life or our home life is in shambles. And I feel so blessed that I learned that lesson early. You know, I thought I was a late bloomer and I thought that I had gone through this failure, as I'll call it, in my late 20s. I'm like, gosh, you know, it took me a long time to figure this out. I mean, I was abusing alcohol. I was significantly addicted to tobacco. Like my whole life was a mess. I mean, I was redlining it everywhere. And I know a lot of people who are in their 40s and 50s and 60s, and they're still operating that way. I actually don't think it's as abnormal as I thought it was when it was me back then, now that I'm meeting more people who are having those types of struggles. Yeah. So I feel really lucky that 
I always say that I could afford that mistake. It happened at a time in my life where I could really afford it. I didn't have a wife yet. I didn't have a family. I didn't have miles to feed. You know, I had some real estate investments and a mortgage, but those went up in smoke you know, with the bankruptcy. So I was, it was like the reset button, Brett. I mean, it was an incredible time. And I think a lot of us, again, are experiencing that right now. We're going through this reset process. And so I look at the timing of my book as a real, I got really lucky because I think this is the exact map out of the woods that a lot of people are looking for. And, uh, you know, I talk about the first chapter is all about subject areas. Well, what are those? Well, remember back in school, no matter what your experience was, you were responsible for studying certain subject areas and getting good grades. Right. So math, language, social studies, science, whatever they were. Well, you couldn't just pass in one and then fail in all the others. You wouldn't progress to the next grade. So it's awareness as far as, well, what are the areas of my life? Now in the real world, we have life areas. If you're in business, you have business areas. So in life, you might have health, wealth, your relationships. Those are the primary areas. And then you might break health down into religious, spiritual, spiritual health, mental, emotional health, physical health. You'll want to identify sub areas and then, okay, wow, I have seven different areas. It's not all about work. I've got seven areas I need to manage. Or maybe in business, you've got sales and marketing, you've got, you know, operations, maybe a handful of operations areas, you've got finance, right? You've got maybe administrative, IT, legal, whatever those look like. You've got a lot of areas of your business too that need to be constantly managed and approved on over time. You can't just go all out in sales and just sell, 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 sell. I mean, a lot of us say that, right? It's all about sales. 90% of business is sales, whatever that quote is. But if all you do is sell and no one's looking over the product or service delivery, right. and no one's looking over the, the bank account, the kitty, money coming in, money going out, no one's managing it, you're not going to last long. House of cards, as they say, right? That's it. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are living our lives that way. I've worked with enough business owners to know that at times they succeed in spite of themselves. Yes, 100%. <laughs> right? So it's like it's no different with our lives. It's no different in our lives. And I think the trick is rather than looking at this work-life balance thing as a destination or an outcome, I think the real magic happens when you try to be in that constant state of balancing. It's, it's balance is a verb. It's not a noun. It's not an outcome. So by recognition, by awareness of all the different areas of your life or areas of your business, you can now you have awareness and you can now move forward in that constant state of balancing to ensure that all pistons are firing. Right. Yeah. You know, it's a living organism, if you will, right? The balancing aspect and what's important today, you know, may shift in three years. You have your second child or third child or first child. And so you've got to rebalance. And, you know, I'm digging in specifically, but, you know, chapter two, I thought was kind of eye opening, which you would call the progress report, but the GPA of your life, which (laughs) it was an eye opening exercise when I did it just to say, hey, here's all the different areas and you can pick the ones that make sense to you. But then if you assign a letter grade to it, all of a sudden you get a C, you know, an overall where you're like, wow, I thought I was (laughs) doing better than that. But I think it's a good and again, from there in the book, you kind of talk about once you have those, you know, how do you approach it? What's the plan? Distractions, all that. And what I think the other concept I liked with that, and you just kind of touched on was different things are different are important at different times. You get your core classes, right? So here's the four things that are important to me, regardless family, yeah. business, but the electives, as you call them, you know, may change. So if I'm single, 
you know, my personal side, you know, maybe secondary or secondary weighting to it. But I think I just think it's really important, again, speaking from experience, having the, the holistic approach to running a business and running your life is important. And if all of a sudden you wake up two years later and you haven't been paying any attention to some of those relationships, you're going to regret you know, where that went. And so, again, I'm not trying to oversell your book a little bit, but I love the the framework of it. And no, keep going, please. (laughs) (laughs) But from a a business owner, you you know, one of my questions was, would you, and I think we've already answered it with our discussion today is, would you take that same framework and apply it to your business with what's important to the business? Or is it more important you know what I'm saying? Is there an exercise that obviously the business is part, part of what your scorecard would be, but if I'm running a business, does it make sense to do this exercise as well with that business? Does that make sense? You might be spoiling my next book. Okay. <laughs> I just kidding. Um, I actually, th- I'm, I'm contemplating doing the same sort of a situation, but for the household, for the family. Okay. Because my wife and I have been doing this for years and years. We have a meeting of the minds every Sunday because we can't get a word in edgewise with the kids, you know, throughout the week. And so anyways, I'm just joking. But yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can apply this to a business for sure. You know, on the, on the flip side, there is a great framework out there called EOS, the yeah. Entrepreneurial Operating System. I've been involved with that for about five or six years now. Attraction, get a grip on your business. That is the book that teaches you EOS. And if, if you think that this, if you read this book and you think that you might want to apply this to your business, that's awesome. You, you got to get a little creative, right. Yeah. And, and, and kind of fill some holes. Cause this wasn't a business book. I right. mean, it is from the standpoint of helping business people and or entrepreneurs go after that work-life balance and focus more. I mean, there's a lot of chapters in there. You can apply to business based sure. on you know, scheduling and structuring your day, eliminating distractions, focusing on things, breaking projects down into manageable steps, identifying which projects support your one-year goals. So absolutely, you can apply this to business. But for a book that's actually written by a business owner, for a business owner, I can't make a better recommendation than Traction. Awesome. And maybe that's the third book is your your spin on the business, your spin on the family life, which is, you know, it's a good, I've got you know, three girls, uh, wife and three girls, obviously, but much older, right? So the youngest is heading off to college. And, and it's right now it's not virtual. We'll see where that goes. But you're yeah. right, man. In the heyday, when everybody was in grade school or beyond, you know, just getting time alone to even talk about planning vacation was like the biggest thing that we plan, let alone right, <laughs> right the bigger right. picture stuff. So no, I yes. you can sign me up for that one. And you know, I'm starting to, to run out of time a little bit, but you know, any other advice? I know you, you, you shared your backstory, some of the things that you learned for, you know, founders that are early on in their journey, uh, besides picking up the book and, and looking at helping them balance their lives. Any other advice that you'd have for folks just starting this journey? Uh, as far as founders? Yeah. As, yeah. You know, one of the things that I've found, I've, I think over 10 years, now probably over the last 15 years, I think I've started 30 different business concepts. Some of them didn't make it past the logo phase. (laughs) You know, like I have a Dropbox folder that's full of business ideas that, you know, many of them didn't get off the ground. Four did, three were acquired. And now I have this initial, you know, another one, right? I'm trying to, you know, start this new career now. One of the things that I've found that has helped me so much is putting more 
just, I don't know what I want to call it. Maybe just being more human in business, being more vulnerable. I grew up in a very private household. You know, my folks value privacy above oh, all else, as do I. So it's a bit of a shift for me. But you saw the introduction. I, mean, I had some people you yeah, know, was like, dude, you just streaked across the field. I can't believe that you, and I can't believe I did it. I had great editors that pushed me to disclose a lot of those, you know, the backstory and some of the struggles I've had. But what's amazing is it's almost like Bo Eason, who's known as like the world's greatest speaker. I love Bo. I love his teachings. He's got a great book out there. But he always says that when you tell people your, when you talk about your vulnerabilities, it's like putting connective tissue out there and it gives people something to kind of grab onto and it really attracts them in your world like a magnet. This vulnerability thing isn't a new concept, but right. it's very difficult if you're not wired that way. And I have to say, as a business owner, I've done experiments for years where the more and more I shared some personal story, the more personal I got, the more attracted people were to my brand or to the business or to the product service. So I'm always pushing people to share more of their personal story as it relates to the business. When they're talking about the business, share their why. You know, we say why. And a lot of us have, yeah. our, well, what is the why? I don't get it. But just like, why, why is it that you're doing what you're doing? And if it's to make money and to feed your family, if that's the why and you don't go any deeper than that, share that. Because chances are the prospect on the other side of the call or the table may be doing the same thing. And if you can identify what their purpose or their reason or their meaning is, now you can speak more appropriately to that and hopefully, you know, win that bid, so to speak. Yeah. So that, that's always my advice is I see so many of these and I have a lot of clients or I had a lot of clients in my business coaching days that don't share themselves in that way. We weren't brought up that way. You know, business was a business and brands were brands. And then you've got the personal side of things. But the more those things come together, which I think will be the new norm soon, if it hasn't already kind of pivoted that way, the more personal we can get, the more flaws we can share. You know, like no one wants to do business with a service or product that looks perfect. There's got to be some, yeah, right. there's right. got to be some chinks in the armor. And when someone can come to the table and acknowledge those, take responsibility for those, and then also let someone know, hey, these are the things we're working towards improving. And we're hoping to be there soon. But yeah, those are some things that we're working towards. I, I think people value that, that authenticity, that vulnerability, that, that integrity. Right. Yeah. Transparency, right? Another word that's going, yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I think we could probably do a whole nother podcast episode, just, you know, the personality and just personality of who you are in the business. And more and more and more, if you can't build that, that's a differentiator for companies now. That's why I encourage all my startups to build into that why. And, you know, what not, it used to be if you can get your employees bought into your vision and why you're doing it. But now if you can you know, communicate that or articulate that to customers in the market and, you know, people prefer to buy not only just the experience, right? You got to provide a good experience, but they can get behind what you're doing and they can relate with you as the human. You know, people still buy from people and they want to feel good about whatever they're buying. And the more open you are with that, you know, it just makes sense. I'm starting to see more of it. I think to your point though, mm -hmm. You know, stereotype type it by age group, but I think the younger generation gets that a little bit better than maybe mine and beyond where we grew up in a very, this is business, this is right. corporate, this is the way we do it. And, you know, profits and blah, blah, blah. So right. you know, I think it makes right. sense. 
Yeah. So, all right. I know we're starting to run out. It's low on time. So I think you may have teased it a little bit. So what's, what's next for you? I know you're only three weeks in this, so I'm sure the book tour will continue, but yeah. you know, in the next few months, what's, what are you going to be focused on? Yeah, I appreciate it. So at the beginning of the year, I had a live event all lined up. I had some in-person masterminds all lined up. Things were looking good. And obviously that's not taking place, but right now I'm so excited. So we've sold about 2,500 copies in the first three weeks, which I'm just, blow, I'm floored by. I'm so happy with that, which is great. So the book's kind of not self-sufficient, but it's certainly, it's got some momentum now, which yeah. is fantastic. I just developed a third version of my online course called the Intentional Living Academy. So, you know, if people like the book and they want to go a little deeper with me and get some, you know, hands-on training, video training, get some implementation guides, some templates, they can certainly enroll in the Intentional Living Academy. So that's kind of my focus right now is to begin marketing that a little bit more aggressively than I have been. I will be doing a 10 to 12 person mastermind via Zoom, a virtual mastermind at the end of this quarter. So sometime maybe, you know, early October is my guess. We're going to be rolling that out, okay. which is good. That's, that's basically it. We, we just moved from Chicago to Dallas. So we're still trying to get, get our bearings and find the right bug spray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are different. <laughs> we knew about the heat, Brad, but no one warned us about the bugs. The bugs. So, no, you're entering the good time of year. A couple more months and you'll get through the summer. And yeah. Really yeah. Come with stuff. But if any of your listeners are interested in the book, we've got a, a sweet little deal set up. So right now, if you want, you can get the book. Uh, any version of it's fine. You can forward your receipt to an email address, get a free audio book worth $19.99, as well as a free one-page implementation guide that I use with my private coaching clients. So the URL for that is seanrosensteel.com forward slash B2B. And I think you mentioned you'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. But if anyone wants to grab the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy books from, forward the receipt to the email address on that page. We'll throw in those free gifts for you. Yeah, and awesome. I love when guests, guests bring gifts. So thank you for that. Yeah. And two, we'll also put the link into your academy. So people that have read the book are interested in learning more, right? Because there's the DIYers and there's the folks that you know, want to go a little bit deeper. So, so thank sure. you for that. And my last question for you, which I ask, ask all my guests is what is one thing you would highly recommend? And it could be anything personal or professional. Is there something top of mind right now that's you would, like I said, highly, highly recommend just anything, anything. That's what wow. I'm trying to get top of mind with you. What's, I mean, I think we talked about some of the things that you're focused okay. on why it's important, but yeah. So I'm rereading and actually applying the principles from how to win friends and influence people right now by Dale Carnegie. Interesting. And that's, that's one of those books where there's a lot of principles in there, right? There's four parts. I think there's maybe 15 to 25 principles. I mean, it's a lot of information. So I've read it a handful of times over the last 10 years and like, oh, that's good stuff. And maybe I accidentally remember certain things, maybe not. I'm being very intentional about this read through this time around. And I'm finding it incredible. It's so simple and it's so common sense, but sometimes we don't practice it as much as we should. And I think right now, based on some of the, just the polarity we're seeing, given the times, given the coronavirus, the upcoming election, the stress, I mean, so many of us are just kind of out of our minds. We're hot messes right now. And when it comes to talking with other people who may not have our same viewpoints, I think we could all improve in that area to try to get us onto the same page and try to be more compassionate and more interested in learning about why other people think that way. 
So I'm finding it super valuable as it pertains to my relationship with my children. That's kind of the lens I'm reading it through. Okay. You know, so anytime, anytime I read a book, I always look for the bullseye. So my bullseye is rapport. I want to increase my skill set in the rapport category. So I know that's what I'm after reading this book, but I also want to apply it with my kids and my wife. So finding it very beneficial with my children, finding it very beneficial with my wife, Karen. And I'm also finding it beneficial with, you know, clients and just everybody when I'm literally walking down the sidewalk, you know, saying, hi, I'm just finding it beneficial in every aspect of life. So that's, that's awesome. my recommendation. Yeah, that's a really good one. And I think, again, not to take us down another rabbit hole, but that's what I do <laughs> as we're wrapping up. But I think that, you know, back to the point of the, the principles and foundation, I mean, those don't change, right? We get super fancy, we look for hacks, and there's ways around. And, you know, there was tactics you used to be able to do with, you know, lead generation and buy now or this offer has got, you know, people are, it's coming, it's finally circling back, I think, yeah. to Fundamentals. You know, people buy from people and fundamentals, right? Are you solving a problem? Do they like you? Do they feel good about the purchase? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Super simple, but you know, those old strong arm tactics aren't going to work in specifically in sales and marketing, but no, I love that idea of going back. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. And I actually oh. may even make a note for myself to, to go check that out. So yeah, I think the Kindle version's on sale for like two ninety nine, and I think the, it's not shipping yet. I, I don't know. There's a big delay on print on demand right now, just given the times. But yeah, if I'm not mistaken, the hardcover. I love hardcovers. If I'm not mistaken, that was like eight or nine ninety nine on Amazon. That's it's very interesting. Okay, what I've got to figure. out, I've got to find some other Audible books because I've got like twelve credits oh. packed up. So, but there I you know, go. But I'm I'm with you. I like being able to take notes. The Kindle, I'm getting better about making notes. But give me the, you know, the books I can just write in the cover and the the, the slide right. and put stickies on there. So that's and, right. Well, it's available via Audible, so no excuses, Brett. Yeah, there is no excuses. Well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on. It was uh, definitely you. my pleasure to have you. Hopefully, we, well, I know we all, I have learned something even after this, but highly encourage folks to, to check out the book. I don't think you'll be disappointed. You. And frankly, it's a good blueprint. So best of luck. We'll have you back on. Let me know when the you know, round two is coming and we'll, we'll dig into that as well. Hey, this was fun. Thanks so much for having me, Brad. I appreciate it. Awesome. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. 